Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there. I know we're having a little technical difficulties on YouTube. Uh, You see us come on and go off. Our apologies. We're working on it, Um, but we should be alive now. And if not, We'll post it up later, so hopefully it won't be an inconvenience to to many of you people. Um, As we get started, one thing I want to let you know that we do have uh, some things for the moms outside, so please go to the basket. Uh, Stephanie has placed there on the table. There I saw a chocolate chip cookie. I was so tempted to take one, but I'm not a mom. I'm going to wait till there's Everyone's had one, and then I'll see if there's any left, and then I'll grab one. But there's a little gift for you moms there, so please go and get that. That's for you guys. And we also want to remember um, that though this is a day of celebration, it is still a time that is difficult. Um, You know, some of us who have lost, I mean, lost my mom just over a year ago, some moms who have lost their children. This can be a difficult time, and so our hearts go out to all those who experience loss through this time, even though it's a celebration, it is still something that we uh, are mindful of. And so we, we want you to know that we are thinking of you and we care about you through this time, and we love you, and God loves you, and we want to see the Lord continue to bring healing in our lives together. I am so thankful for Randy and his message last week, uh, just the peace in the storm. It was something that was really helpful to me. Um, it actually helped me in my decision of what I was going to share this morning because I was going to continue on with my kind of transformation, and I just felt like I needed to do something different. And I heard uh, a small video that really sparked my imagination, and I want to do something special uh, for Mother's Day today. And so we're going to start first with a video. And so guys, go ahead and, and start the video. Mother's Day for me as a child um, was, was getting up and, and putting on a brand new uh, pastel blue suit with wide lapels. And as a family, we would go to church and we would sit through a service uh, where they would hand out carnations and, and they would give carnations maybe to the oldest mom or the mom that had the most children. Uh, but recently I got to thinking about maybe Mother's Day could be something richer or something deeper. I mean, after all, uh, in the fabric of the story of the gospel, it was women who were the first witnesses of the resurrection. Jesus went out of his way uh, while hanging on a cross and dying to take care of his mom. 
So I started doing some research on Mother's Day. I was incredibly surprised and startled even when I started to look at the history of Mother's Day uh, in America. It wasn't candy-coated at all. I started to read about uh, Julia Ward Howe, the, the author of the lyrics of the Battle Hymn of the Republic, and how she started to form this peace movement, and, and she, she wrote this Mother's Day Declaration. And in this Mother's Day Declaration, uh, there was language like uh, she no longer wanted women in America to have to to welcome their sons and their husbands as they reeked of carnage. Uh, she used um, words like wanting everyone to have the imprint of God, not Caesar. And then I started to read about Anna Jarvis, who took up where, um, where Hal left off. And she started and continued this Mother's Day tradition. And she started to put together these Mother's Day uh, friendship groups groups that were focused uh, very specifically on the reconciliation of a, of a nation that was divided because of the Civil War. And I ended up at the exact same spot that I'd started. You know, how could Mother's Day um, be deeper? How could the celebration of the church um, continue this incredible, unbelievable story? Um, even a story of Mary, because some of this language that the early mothers used in, in the celebration of Mother's Day reflected Mary's song. It reflected uh, this idea of, of the gospel and, and dethroning the powerful, of the, the hungry being filled. How could the church, as we celebrate Mother's Day, how can we reflect this whole idea of redemption, this whole idea of reconciliation? Um, what, could, what could the church do to redirect the $14 billion that we spend on Mother's Day? What would it look like for a fresh wind of God's Spirit to be breathed into the church on Mother's Day? What would it look like if the church were to recapture the essence of, of those early Mother's Day movements? What would it look like again uh, for us to celebrate the imprint of Christ and, and not Caesar. Maybe this Mother's Day, when, when you get handed that carnation, um, as opposed to seeing it um, as the end of the service, maybe this Mother's Day, when you get that carnation, um, maybe you see it as the beginning of service. Maybe you could see it uh, as the continuation um, of a movement uh, that is embedded deep uh, in the gospel movement. Maybe you could see it um, as the beginning, uh, as the continuation uh, of radical peace uh, and redemption and reconciliation in a lost and dying world. Powerful. I love hearing things like this that talk about a movement right, about starting something that draws us back to that core of what it is to be a follower of Christ. I, I love the contrast between the, the prophet and the, the person, between the caring of Christ and of Caesar. I love that dynamic, and I want to lean into that a little bit more. I want to look at the way life in Christ is formed, that it takes place and shows up 
because Paul often compares the joining of people from every walk of life as a body, right? He, he does this kind of as a body so that there is an understanding of how we are connected together. And if you have not grown up in church and this idea sounds strange to you, I, I want to try and express it because I think it's really powerful. The, the idea that all these people from all over the world throughout centuries comprise this one organism of who Christ is, that we are his body. We are joined together in this way. In fact, let's turn to Ephesians chapter four, where Paul tells us that rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so this is the picture that Paul is presenting to us, that we are part together of this living work of God that has been seen and grown in Christ. And I love that picture. There, there's a beautiful organic way of seeing this that we call the body of Christ. And in a specific way, I believe can only fully be represented by a woman. And let me kind of lean into that. And let me start with a passage in Galatians chapter three, where Paul again says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is really trying to take away this idea of better than, right? You Jews are no better than the Greeks even though you have this history and legacy that we are coming from, you people who are free or maybe even Roman citizens are no better than those people who are enslaved. You men are no better than women. There is this unity of Christ. There is, however, a participation in life that only women can share and that's in pregnancy. In her book, Creating with God, Sarah Jobes talks about how she encountered God and rediscovered her image in God's likeness. Remember back in Genesis chapter one, verse 27, it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so the image of God is encompassed by both the man and the woman. And I think it's important that we understand this, right? I, I feel real inadequate in trying to talk about pregnancy, um, but I don't want to give, I do want to give a voice to something that I believe reveals God in a beautiful way in a way that is personal, in a way that is uh, very picturesque. To help us maybe see 
the beauty of what God is doing as we see it in his creation. God, in a beautiful way, and hopefully raises awareness to his image that is seen in women through pregnancy. The body of Christ is expanding. It is encompassing. It is growing. It is global. It is not hindered by place. It is not hindered by time. It is developing. And this is a mystery of how the whole church all over the world is being incorporated into this body, which Paul says Christ is head. Paul loves this image, and he uses it often to describe how closely we are connected to one another and to Christ. And I think the fullness of this picture is more clearly seen when a woman is pregnant. When the psalmist says that he knits us together in our mother's womb, right? This is a more intense and encompassing than I think we realize. How intricate it is and how involving it is of the mom with the child. It's daily, it's intimate, and it's mysterious. It's beautiful. Maybe the way a mother interacts with the child she's carrying is actually a clearer picture of what God is doing in the life of the church, the body. Maybe even more so than we thought. Maybe Paul meant that as a child is knit together in the womb, we too are knit together and can't get away from one another. That we share the same life with one another as a child shares that life with their mother. Right? We, we have so many divisions. We have denominations. We have the people we agree, the people we don't agree with. And we've lived at a time right now, even as the video we just saw talked about the the problem division with the Civil War, we are at a time now where there are things that are so divisive, right? Whether it's political, whether it's racial, whether it's COVID, you know, people wear masks, people don't wear masks. All these things are there that can divide us, but maybe we are closer together than we imagined. Maybe like that child is knit together with the mom in the womb, we are actually knit together in Christ and we can't get away from each other no matter how much we try. Maybe all the things we do that make waves with one another are really in contrast to what is happening within us. When a woman is pregnant, She is sharing through her blood and sometimes even her bones the food that her child needs to grow, to develop, and live. That's mind-blowing. That's why diet is so important, right? She has to have those prenatal care, those vitamins. She has to have enough calcium. If she doesn't have more calcium in her body, the body will actually take from her own bones and give to that child so that the child receives what they need to grow healthy and strong. That's crazy. That's that's just scary, right? I mean, for me, man, looking back, I just think, oh man, 
And I don't know if you're pregnant and you didn't know that. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to freak you out. But now think of Jesus' words. This is my body broken for you. Take, eat, and remember me. I can't think of a, a more beautiful picture than what a mother does when she's a child, when, when she's carrying a child and supplying what that child needs. How Jesus offers us life through his blood and offers his body as bread and says, and John, this is real food. This is what you really need. Can you think of a more complete picture than a mother with a child giving of her own life to that child? It's amazing. And it just brought a whole depth of insight into what this all is about. That it's sure a metaphor but there's something really happening that we can identify with, see, and stand in wonder and in awe of. And as the mother expands with the life of her child, and as she feeds that child from her life, it doesn't destroy her, right? She doesn't give life and then lose her life. She gives her life, and life is born. It increases life in an incredible way, just as Jesus giving his life didn't destroy him, but he came that we might have life and that we might have it to the full. Jesus said in John 14, verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. The greater work is through us as we live life out in his name. As the mother's body changes to make way for this life in her, in one sense, she is giving life and life is growing from her and now spreads past her. And, and as this change takes place when, within her, she'll develop morning sickness, right? Which isn't in her mind. And God rests the soul, whoever said that it was, right? It's something that her body experiences as her body uh, develops the placenta so that it can transfer the nutrients from her blood to the child and can take the waste from that child and process it through that placenta. All these things change how she feels. And what is taking place as the child grows. And, and maybe it would be best if next time we have a communion service, we have a pregnant woman there handing out the elements to give us a, a clear reminder, right? That this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Maybe she could help us see the depth that the life of Christ is shared with humanity better than our words ever could. Maybe through what we see and what we understand, we can get a glimpse of how powerful this image is of the life of Christ giving birth to his church. Picture that. 
I mean, when I was thinking about this, I, I just, I was weeping, thinking about this picture of how intimate it is, how natural it is, how powerful and beautiful. There's something else that's interesting and like Christ that takes place during a woman's pregnancy. Her body goes through incredible changes, right? She retains water, um, expanding. She can you know, go through three clothes sizings in just a couple of months, right? Which could be I, I I can't you know I can't imagine just like that's that's crazy. Imagine the body image we are living in this culture where it's so much about you know your size and how you look, and then all of a sudden having no control and your body just growing three sizes in just a few months, right? It changes everything about how you see, and so so many times you know you see that, and the women are like, "Oh man, I just feel uncomfortable," and it, they're embarrassed because they've grown so much, and they're always saying, "Look how fat I am." It's like, well, of course you're you're making another human being, right? You're you're doing something incredible, and it's affecting you in incredible ways, right? It can be a little bit traumatic, but something amazing is happening. I've had two clients this past week who they were pregnant. And when we're doing the dog training and I'm talking about the dogs and it comes up and one will say, oh yeah, we're pregnant. And the whole conversation shifts, right? The whole dog training thing gets put on on the shelf here for a second. And, And the conversation becomes, oh, congratulations. How far along are you? Even if you knew she was pregnant, you never say, you know, are you pregnant, right? You you just let them bring it out. And so when they say it, you're like, how far along? Do you know if it's a boy or a girl? And it changes everything. The whole atmosphere all of a sudden becomes one that's celebratory. All of a sudden, there's identification there. All of a sudden, I'm pulling out my phone and I'm showing pictures of my grandchildren. All of a sudden, I'm having conversation. Oh, I have four children. I had twins, right? All of a sudden, we're having this kind of conversation that connects us in these things. And it's so funny when you see a woman who's pregnant, she can be standing in line at a grocery store waiting and if she's obviously pregnant, people come up to her and start having a conversation. Strangers come up to her and say, oh, how are you feeling? Is this your first child? And they have conversations that they never would have had with her. Some even say, can I touch your stomach, right? Which is just weird to me, right? But some people will do that. There's this feeling of, I want to come close to you because there's something special happening in you that is drawing me to you. They're drawn to people just because of the pregnant body. Think of how we are drawn to Christ. How they felt they could relate to him. That a woman with the issue of blood reached out and touched him without invitation. Jesus was attractive, but not in the model attractive way, but in the pregnant woman attractive way that people could talk to him, relate to him, 
even touch him, though they were strangers. See, there's something happening that is helping us to connect at that time. And so it's funny that when a woman feels like she is unattractive, she actually draws more attention and becomes more attractive to more people. And though Christ didn't seem attractive by appearance and status, he was indeed attractive. It's strange. When I think of God's ability to create life, it seems like a powerful thing. God created. Right? When I think of creating, I think of building buildings, you know, muscle car. We're creating something. But a pregnant woman knows more about creating life than I ever will. It's powerful, but it doesn't look like the power the world thinks of. It looks vulnerable. And it is there that the power of God is seen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. I want to go through a parable of Jesus that I I think can help us see things even more clearly. Matthew 20 Starting at one, verse one, Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them out into the vineyard. And going about the third hour, he saw another standing idle in the marketplace. And to them, he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. He said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. When those who hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house saying, these last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I chose to give the last workers as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. When a mother has a newborn who is still nursing and then gets pregnant, so she's nursing a newborn and she's now carrying an unborn. What she is having to do is supply nutrients for three lives, 
for the baby, for the unborn baby, and for herself. Now, she doesn't get to decide how that's going to work. It's decided for her. And do you know how it, it works? The first set of nutrients, the, the one who gets what's first is the baby who's born. Through the nursing, that baby gets the, the first of the crop. The second is the unborn baby. And guess who's last? It's almost prophetic that the mom eats last because that's probably how it's going to be for the rest of her life when she has kids. She will always be the one who's eating last. The mother doesn't decide, it's decided. You know, we have a hard time being last because we feel that we're being undervalued, we're being taken advantage of. But the kingdom of God, and so it should be in, in the church, it isn't about position or hierarchy, it's about everyone getting what they need. And think of it, mom does all the work. She has to get the food, cook the food, eat the food, but she's the last one in the process, the last one to get paid, if you will, in line with the parable when it comes to that feeding process. And God, in the creative genius, seems to know that mom is the one best able to deal with the lack, if there is any. She is the strongest and has the most to spare and is the most important. Again, I can't think of a more beautiful picture of Christ. Every day that pregnant mama is putting those little ones first and it seems that with so many moms, this trait carries on long after those babies are born and weaned. It's almost as if God is teaching in the most intimate ways what this life in Christ can look like and what it means to be last and why God sees it as first. Because it's beautiful, it's sacrificial, and it's empowering, it is creating but it's taking the back seat and giving what is best to those who are in need. Imagine an important guest coming to your home, someone who you're looking forward to coming, someone who it's going to be just a life-changing experience is going to come to your home, but you don't know when. Think of how unnerving that would be. You're gonna have company here, but I can't tell you when. I can give you a four-week window of when they'll probably come here. That would be nerve-wracking, right? I, I mean, imagine the patience, the expectancy you have, that daily practicing of waiting, 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 because that's what's happening when a woman's pregnant. This life is coming. When? We don't know. Could be early, could be late. They're saying about this time. We don't know, but it's coming and you don't know. And so you have to just kind of be patient, wait, 
hold on. That's what's happening in pregnancy. But what if our daily posture towards God was this way, where we were patient, where we were waiting, where we were expecting, where we were looking forward to? What if this was our posture in life towards God and the things that God is doing in his kingdom? What if this is something for us to learn? The most important life-changing moment that's going to happen in so many's life is something that has to have patience, is with expectancy, and has to wait. This is the fruit of the Spirit, people. This is, this is what God wants of all of us, and it's something that has to happen in a woman who's pregnant. I remember when Corrine was pregnant with the twins. They were born early, and she was having contractions. She was supposed to have a baby shower the next day, and so she was there having contractions. My mom was there. My uh, sister-in-law, Karen, was there. And they saw her kind of like fidgeting. And they said, I, I think you're having contractions. She's like, no. She she never had a baby before. This was the first time. And they go, no, I think you are. Sure enough, she was. Boom. Wait, what about the baby shower? What about all these things we had? Hey, doesn't matter. This is having its own course. What if we leaned into life like this? allowing God to work with the circumstances at hand instead of trying to control and manipulate them, to, to make them to our liking, to have a waiting expectancy for what God is doing and to lean into it in that way. Another huge part of our faith as followers of Christ is being that important things in life, the most important things in life, are things that we can't see like our faith, like love, like God. Think of those early weeks of pregnancy where you can't see, hear, or even feel the baby, but you have to start living as if they're there, right? It's one of those things where those early weeks you still have to change your behavior. One of my clients was talking about how they thought her son's wife was pregnant and they weren't gonna tell anybody. And so they were trying to find out if she was pregnant by pouring her a glass of wine and saying, here, have some wine to see if she would <laughs> refuse it. Because if she refused it, they were, ha, huh, why'd you refuse it, right? Because your, your diet changes. You, you have to, even though you don't, Feel it, even though you don't see it, you're not showing signs. Once you know you're pregnant, you have to change the way you behave because of that life that's in you. And so you can't drink alcohol or worse, you can't drink coffee, right? All these things change because you peed on a stick and it came with a plus sign. It it showed up though it's not seen. Aren't we to change our lives for God and live as if the kingdom is here? Isn't it supposed to affect us even though we can't see it, even though we don't hear it? Maybe as we lean into this, Two, we will begin to see growth in time.
even as a pregnant woman grows with that child. Maybe life will grow in us as we live in the reality of God's kingdom present with us. Maybe pregnancy is like faith more than we thought. It's real. We can't see it at the beginning. But it transforms us in the end. One of the things that happens also when a woman is pregnant is that as the pregnancy continues further along, that she'll be limited to what she can do, right? If she was used to running, at some point that will have to change. If she sits for a long time, she's gonna have to raise her feet so her ankles don't swell. And be careful, standing up too quickly, because you don't want to pass out. A pregnant woman has to slow down, has to show herself some grace, to realize, I I just can't do that now. I'm exhausted. I remember one time my son was working and my daughter-in-law was pregnant. And he told her, yeah, I I have to work this many hours. And she just said, well, I'm making a, a life. You know, it's like, compare that. You know, you work 12 hours, I'm creating a life within me. A pregnant woman has to take that consideration, give herself some grace to be able to rest, to be able to get what she needs. And what a lesson that is for us, to be able to show ourselves some grace, to be able to take time for the things that are important, to be able to prioritize our life for the life that really matters, the life that is taking place. I don't think I need to explain to anyone here that when scripture speaks of God the Father or the pronoun he, that it's not talking about gender, it's talking about person, that God is not a man, God is not a woman. And I have no desire to change the poetic structure of scripture as it's written to try and make it something that it's not. But I think it's important that we recognize what is there. Because there has been in the history of the church a blindness, I think, to what God is doing in and through women. You know, in Genesis 4, verse 1, it says, Eve says, I have created a man with God. That's pretty heavy. And if we don't recognize the beauty in God's design and structure, we can bypass it and overlook it. I don't know anyone who can say that they understand it, what creation is like, more than a woman who's given birth. But what we can all do is create with God what we are supposed to do. 
And we see in that pregnant woman an example. I think it's important that we elevate this in our minds and in our churches. I think Jesus did. Jesus had Mary sitting at his feet with the disciples. That's why Martha got so upset. It wasn't because she was being lazy. It's because she was at a place that women weren't supposed to be. That's why Priscilla taught Apollos a better way. A woman taught a man. It's why, even in the video that we saw, the women were the first to see the resurrected Christ and bear witness of what Jesus had done. It's why Romans 16, Paul says, Junia, who is chief among the apostles, a woman who is chief among the apostles. You see, these are the scriptures that don't get recognized and instead will focus on one in Ephesians, a woman should not assert authority over a man. Even though earlier it says there's supposed to be mutual submission. What can we learn from the creative lessons lived out by women every moment, every day? What can we learn from a mother that helps us to get insight into our God? Because I think it's there. This is just touching a surface of what it is. And I want this Mother's Day to to be the start of a movement. I, I want this to be something where we, as followers of Christ, give place to women that they deserve not because they've earned it, because they too are created in his image. And they too carry his voice within their heart. And so this Mother's Day, I hope we will set free some of the things that maybe have hindered us from seeing things in this light and embrace what God has been doing all along and is wanting to continue to do and to unleash a force within the church that has always been there and that we get to now maybe see more fully and see God maybe a little bit more clearly through a mother. Let's pray. Lord, there is something taking place within a mother, within a pregnancy that reveals you more clearly than anything else can. And it helps me connect to the importance of my mother, my wife, to other moms, to other women. And Lord, though I and many others will never be pregnant, we can still see, learn, and grow from what's taking place in the lives of these women who are are setting that example, who are 
helping us understand the way your body works, the body of Christ. Helps us understand what faith is about, understand what is attractive, what is powerful. Helps us to understand that we need to be still, be gracious. Allow your work to take place within us. And Lord, may we learn to create with you the kingdom that you are ushering in. May we do it with the grace, humility of a pregnant woman bringing forth life that attracts so many. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. want to remind you, mothers, please get some of the gifts that are there for you. And if you are going home and going to see uh, other mothers, take something with you to hand to them as well uh, from us to you guys. May you enjoy this Mother's Day and may... The picture of a mother help you to see a clear picture of God. To understand his love, her love, and his image. God bless you guys. Have a happy Mother's Day. Uh, We are opening up a bit more, and this is going to be week to week as things continue. But hopefully you guys can join us and we can gather together. Remember, take two this Wednesday at 7 p.m. We will be here and live. Uh, I'm going to have my wife join me this Wednesday. I figure I need her on this conversation. Uh, God bless you guys. We love you. Take care. Happy Mother's Day. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.